0: Let's take a second to remind ourselves to keep you humble And if my brother should fall, my sister's ever stumble Pick you back up, life's a my speed, the sore spot We're still just trying to figure it out Before I'm dead and I want to be known as one of the good
1: so we're back again this is the juby take i'm steve i'm adam and it is just the two of us for the first time first time ever just us just us the first 10 episodes we had uh, a, a guest either one of our executive producers or friends friends people that wanted to be involved family and it i think it went pretty well yeah. And we will have all of them back. We want to thank all of them for, for being a part of our first 10 shows.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Uh, either they're tired of doing this, they're not interested anymore, or whatever. But it's just the two of us tonight.
0: That's, let's just say that we uh, we decided to go just the two of us. Let's, I like that. Yeah. I like
1: that. So that we didn't invite better. any guests with us tonight. We were just going to go a mano a mano, and we're going to talk some NBA and some Portland Trailblazers.
0: Oh, yeah. what Nothing better than, you know talking about your favorite sports with your dad
1: Uh, or with your son yeah okay so we have a uh, milestone a milestone shot here we have uh, our Oregon Ducks shot glasses with Jameson and we are toasting the first 10 episodes yes and so go Ducks go Ducks go Blazers okay (laughs) that's good oh yeah that's great Okay, so Smooth. what we want to talk about tonight, we want to talk about the NBA, and of course we're Blazer fans, so the NBA starts and ends, in my view, with the Portland Trail Blazers.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, you, there's not very many teams out there that
1: I honestly could say that I really follow. But you do follow a lot more than I do. You follow more of the players. Right. You, you can name a lot of the the young guys and what they're doing in different. Uh, you know, in different teams and I just have no interest.
0: Well, I think part of that comes from my love for college basketball and my ability to just watch and follow that, you know, leads into, you know, obviously following the the draft and then going into the NBA. A lot of these players, you know, knowing a full roster, you kind of need to know the, the middle of the road guys and the guys that got drafted, you know, that maybe were the best Player at Villanova, but
1: you know, didn't end up right. You 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 making a team. We talked with Ryan about that. Yeah, you two are both more in tune with the uh, national players. You know, I follow the Ducks, and I've you know, I'm I'm handicapped in that regard. I follow my teams, right, and that's about it. I mainly follow
0: other teams to to know how my team compares. A lot of
1: times. I want to know how So this year, the Blazers, uh, we came into the year uh, with high expectations. Uh, we had a good run last year. We made it into the playoffs. We won our first round. Right. Uh-huh. Now, that was
0: – someone would say that that was because of a lot of injuries.
1: Okay. but it, It's true. I prefer – because I don't like the Clippers. No, I don't no like one the, likes the Clippers. Whiny little bitches. So um, it but. it really – I mean, you're right
0: when chris paul and blake griffin your two blessed player best players go out or aren't at 100 percent,
1: yeah okay hard chance but we still won totally because it's all part of the game right. injuries are part of the game they happen to anybody everybody and of course as blazer fans we know that more <laughs> than anyone else oh yeah that injuries can uh can derail a franchise so but we had high expectations you know we we played I thought we played the the Warriors last year in the playoffs very tough. We we had leads in the fourth quarters of several of the games. I'd say tougher
0: than anyone did this this year. Yeah. That's for sure. And of course they didn't have Kevin Durant
1: last year. Right. <laughs> so we started the year with high expectations. Now in the offseason, the Blazers spent a lot of money. Part of the reason that we were excited is players like Alan Crabb and and uh, Myers Leonard and you know Mo Harkless they, they brought all of these guys back they signed them to big contracts
0: right players we've watched for a while and learned to enjoy having on the team that are good guys
1: and um, it's always frustrating to have a player on your on your team that that leaves in free agency and, and excels in another team yeah. so that's always frustrating. Thanks, Jermaine O'Neill. Yeah. So okay, with that we had we had high expectations going in, and unfortunately, the first half of the season was really bad. We were not competitive. We were the only way I can say it is incredibly inconsistent.
0: Yeah, I think that that's how all of the players described
1: it after the season was over. Because we would have players, we would have guys, you know, have a great game. Mo Harkless would would look like an all-star or Noah Vonleh or you know it just Plumley was probably the one player that played the hardest. I would agree with that. On a consistent basis. And Lillard would tear it up and you know he would just he'd drain threes from half court.
0: That was one one player that I felt was not inconsistent, you know, in his play. Um at least obviously on the scoring end of things. Um, and you can only do so much, you know, to win games. Uh, but I thought Dame had a great year. I thought, you know, and, and the fact that he got snubbed on the All-Stars, again, insane.
1: It is. And, and when you look at, you know, I, I see the argument there. You know, who are you going to take off? Right,
0: exactly. And, and that's
1: my honest feeling in that is I think you need to be flexible to a certain extent. when When they throw a center on the team, and he's not really even, you know, a, a top thirty player in the league. Right. But you have to have a center on the All Star team, and you have six great guards. So you put four of them on the team, and two guys don't get that that honor. I think that something needs to be done with that. You know, I, I think there needs to be some some flexibility with that. I don't know exactly how to do it. Right. I you don't know, have any suggestions. If, if Silver but, if Silver calls me, I'll work on it and I'll come up with something I guarantee I will. I'm sure he will. But unfortunately the situation is is that somebody's going to be the odd man out. Right. And unfortunately it seems to be acceptable that it's Lillard every well, year. Well,
0: I think that it goes to the losing teams. I mean that's I think you know the Thunder Westbrook had a better record. You know, everyone from Golden State, I think half their team made the All-Star team. You know, I think that's why Damian Lillard has been snubbed multiple times is because you look at the record of the team, and I think that matters in the eyes of voters.
1: I'm sure it does, but okay, then just put that in your disclaimer.
0: Unless they're the extremely you, dominant player like Anthony Davis
1: or Damian Lillard, you know, averaging 28 points a game and seven steals yeah, and yeah five just, rebounds just getting it done every single night <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. Um, that's true I mean if you're not on a winning team you're not an all-star and I think that's a crock yeah so okay so we go along and and you know I, I think that you know the frustration for me is at times and and I like uh, Terry Stotts uh, and by all accounts he's a great coach right it was interesting to listen to Brooks Dylan Brooks worked out for the blazers right on Friday and, and him talking and comparing Terry Stotts with Altman mm-hmm. with Dana Altman the Oregon coach and I have nothing but respect for Dana Altman I think he's a fantastic coach but like
0: what he's done you know I mean well, I just, just his I, record but not even just that I mean you could just
1: just the way that the team plays the way he handles things yeah exactly and with Terry Stotts I thought it was interesting that Brooks was talking about Stotts and that they're very similar they're very similar in body types they're very similar in kind of the way they look Right. he made some jokes about that (laughs) and that was kind of the first time that I thought about that but one of the things he said is that Terry Stotts is a teacher like Dana Altman right said he
0: wanted to work out with them and show them the ropes and how to yeah
1: teaching teaching the game right my criticism of Terry Stotts and you've heard this a million times but our listeners haven't the NBA game needs to be consistent in that the the best teams to me, and the best way to coach is let these guys know what their role is. Right, and you know, again, I go back to the Jack Ramsey era, and the way that he coached, and you could set your watch when Larry Steele and Lloyd Neal got up off the bench, you knew exactly what point in the game that was, and you know when Johnny Davis came in for Dave Twarzik. And, you know, when Major Jones came in and, you know, spelled Maurice Lucas and they knew what their role was every night. Right. That you're going to get this many minutes. And when you come in the game, you're expected to rebound. Or you're expected to play defense. Or you're expected to score. And it was very clear. And people thrived in that.
0: Just, and Yeah.
1: I mean, that yeah, that's
0: definitely something that we saw this year. I mean, like you said, you know, we said it and had a conversations about it multiple times. About the Blazers, you know, it, right? It because wasn't defined.
1: It's not. You don't know who's going to play any particular night, yeah. Or what minutes they're going to play. I mean, you take the top four or five players, and yes, okay, you know how many minutes Dame's going to get and CJ's going to get, right? And Plumlee, when he was on the team, what he's going to get. But then you start talking about number five, six, seven, and eight players, it would change from night to night. And when your role players don't know their role, I mean. There you go. Feeds that's the purpose. definition of the game is exactly. if you're a role player, let them know what their role is. You would think. And I think maybe in my mind that has something to do with the inconsistency. Yeah. I, you know, I think that that's a big
0: part of it. You know, when you don't have the consistent minutes, you don't, you know, your confidence level is up and down. You don't know what's going on, you know, unless, you know, obviously there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that we don't know about or different things happening different conversations being had between coaches and players but i'm sure that it does you know um hurt uh, you know the your again your confidence level and being able to play and a, being a basketball player i know that means everything
1: well there's there's a lot of very young players yeah on the blaze especially yeah at that point and you have players that in you know Myers landed more more than anybody i've been his advocate since he was drafted Yes, you have. and I just feel that he's such a unique player and what he can bring, but he is so fragile. he he you can see when he comes in and he's and he makes a shot or or, or he's on a roll and and what he can do. but something goes wrong or or his psyche just loses that edge and he he's horrible, yeah, yeah, and I,
0: I I blame that on that inconsistency. I think I also blame that on injuries. And um, another player that was kind of plagued with injuries this year. And I thought, well, I kind of want to know your opinion on it, um, on him as uh, someone we haven't mentioned, Evan Turner. Uh, Also a big contract that we signed this offseason with big expectations coming in with how he was going to be able to come in and help CJ and Dame take a little bit of that role playing off of them, you know, in those bench minutes and just have another playmaker.
1: Right, bringing the ball up and right. distributing the ball. I get the concept. I I believe they overpaid for him. I don't I think the expectations were too high. Now, he did settle in and I I think he's a he's a good player. I yeah. mean, he plays some defense. Yeah, he's, he has some size which we need against some of the bigger guards. I mean, he's one
0: of our I think he's our key defender. He's
1: yeah, at the guard position, I would totally We agree. put him
0: up against KD when we, you know, I yeah. mean, at that point yeah you're saying he's our best defender if that's who you're putting him against.
1: Right. I I think one of the problems again is understanding your role. I think he took he took a lot of shots in key situations and he's not that good a shooter and felt you know, like he wanted to be that guy. He just Well, yeah, it. you sign that kind of contract and you come into to a situation like in Portland where okay, they they made it out of the first round last year. And they brought back most of their players and they're an up and coming team that people are talking about. And you're the big free agent that they bring in to push them to the next level to, to compete with the golden States and, and some of the elite teams, right? you know, the San Antonio's and those type. And it was beyond his reach. I I don't believe that he was that player, that he's that good. You know, we, we talk about the fact that, okay, this summer, you know, you, you dream of all the possibilities. And we talk about a Paul George. Okay, well, Evan Turner is certainly not a Paul George. Right. Paul George is that player that if the Blazers could somehow trade some of their draft picks or some of their their fringe players and get a Paul George, okay, he's that guy that could come in and take the pressure off of Lillard and McCollum. Well, he's a type, yeah, he's a type. He, and he knocks those shots down.
0: He's the type of player that can change any franchise and come into any franchise, any team and make a big difference, a noticeable difference. Right. And, and I, there's I, not I, a lot of players out there that can do that.
1: I, I think in some ways, Evan Turner was not necessarily billed as a Paul George, but billed as as a guy that can fill that role. Yeah. And he couldn't. No. Well, I think he tried. You know, I, I think that he, he tried to, to do that. He tried to be that player. And I think that's what got him in trouble at times. I think it's the
0: the chemistry that he was, you know, when he first came into the team, he didn't have uh, the feel for the team. You know, he wasn't able to fit in with the scheme. He wasn't able, you know, to know where people were going to be. He's a feel player where he, you know, needs to know the tendencies of certain players so that he can slip them the ball when they're going to, you know, cut to the basket at that last second. And, you know, that wasn't there at first. And then when he started actually kind of getting a rhythm with the team is when you know he got injured and again that was a player i felt like myers leonard that you know injuries made it so that
1: the inconsistencies you know continued <laughs> you know right with no, the I, team I and think i they agree. all added up into that and i don't i'm not i don't want to say that evan turner the signing of evan turner was a gigantic mistake no no i don't believe it was i think they overpaid for him yeah but okay you know, that's that's sports today. Exactly. If you, if you want to go get somebody, you will overpay for them.
0: Well, a couple of years from now, that's not going to be overpaid. That's going to be the usual. Right.
1: Yeah. Which is a whole other podcast. Right. <laughs> but, okay, so we talk about Evan Turner. And then you look at the young players that that are the bigs that they have. And you look at Ed Davis. And you look at Noah Vondelay. Vondelay. I and like that guy. So do I. I like Vondelay. You look at what he can do. Late in the season, in some of the games that, that really didn't matter too much, all of a sudden, he's flying around and you know dribbling between his legs and, and taking shots. Now he needs to improve his shot. There are things that, that he can improve on.
0: Well, we've seen him shoot very well in Summer League. You know, Last year in Summer League, he dominated. Right. And he shot very well. I think there was a game he went five for five from threes.
1: But I think we end up with so many of these players. Like Aminu is another one. Uh, Farouk Aminu is he's so inconsistent. Mm. I mean, he can play really good defense. He can nail the three. He can run the floor.
0: He's a very frustrating player to watch. And
1: then you watch him in a game and you wonder how he's ever in the NBA. Right. So that can't, that can't be your team. You can't have that kind of inconsistency. I think Mo Harkless, you know, you look at his size, you know, it's six, nine and he, he can guard Kevin Durant. He can guard. Yeah. Anybody. And he's incredibly athletic. And he can make shots. But right. again, it's it's that, okay, wh- what's going to happen here? We have to take some of these players and they have to take the next step forward. And that's kind of what I think, at least what I thought about last summer, is that we signed a lot of these guys. Alan Crabb. Right. Who should be. Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson. Or at least the Crawford. Yeah. You know, the. Jordan
0: Crawford for the sixth man off the bench for the Clippers? Jamal Crawford. Jamal Crawford, yeah. Jordan Crawford's another player in the NBA.
1: Okay, see now that, that's that NBA knowledge that yeah. that's just amazing to me. Oh, man, I don't even know what team he's on though. So It doesn't matter. We're team. moving on. <laughs> but Jamal Crawford, where he can come in and just light it up from three, and all of a sudden he can take your second unit and make them formidable. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, you've got your stars on the bench. And you've increased your lead you know, by five points over that period of time. Or or you've caught up five points from the deficit that, that you had. And that's always the thing. And again, going back to what I was talking about with Jack Ramsey, there was two games that he would play in every basketball game. And there was his starting game and his bench game. And one of the great things about those Blazer teams, and I'm talking about the 70s, is that their starters against the elite teams in the league could hold their own yeah but when you started bringing bench players in the blazers bench would beat the other team's bench and now all of a sudden your starters come back in and they've got a nice little lead were they better or did they play harder well i mean were they i think they were better because a lot of the guys coming off the bench were starters early in their career okay and i mentioned larry Steele and lloyd neal they are both starters. So it's 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 the Golden State Warriors.
0: I mean, Sean Livingston was a starter. Right. Lee Udala was a starter. Pichu, or no, he's just, he starts already. Yeah. JaVale McGee was a starter.
1: Right. And okay, that's a perfect example of a player that you you he understands his role. Yeah. His role is to play ten minutes, right? And it's to play as hard as he can and fly, fly around hoop, yeah. and do everything he can that he could po- not possibly sustain for any length of time. And it doesn't matter if he fouls. It- Hopefully, piss someone off. Along the well, way. if he can get in your head, absolutely. Yeah. But that's a perfect example of of the definition of a player understanding his role, and he comes in and changes games as a role player off the bench, but he doesn't come in with the mentality of I can't foul because I only have six fouls in the game.
0: Now I don't want Terry Stotts when he listens to this to think that we're hating on him, you know, that we don't think he's a good coach. Well, that's
1: why I prefaced it with, I, I think he's a good coach. Okay. And that in the reiterate that, no, that's good. It's good that he hears it from you because I, yeah, I didn't want him to hate me. He understands your knowledge of the game more than mine. And so he's going to take that to heart more than anything that I have to say. So good call there. Okay, good. Good call, Adam. Okay, so now we're talking about halfway through the season. It's kind of a mess, and we're not going anywhere, and we're buried in tenth or eleventh place. And I don't know about you, but I'm personally thinking about okay, lottery, right? Yeah. <laughs> and who's in college, and you know what player can turn us around and getting a high draft pick?
0: Well, they're asking you know the players about tanking. At that point, I mean, there's a interviews. Lot of teams, a lot of teams do that, exactly, and that's why they were, you know, I mean, trying to get at the players and ask. You know, them the Lakers this
1: year tanked. Philadelphia's tanked for years. I thought the Timberwolves. Timberwolves did that. tanking. The Nets didn't tank. They were just horrible, but they didn't have their their draft pick anyway. That went to Boston. Right. So okay, so now we end up in a in a place. Unfortunate. Yeah. Now we end up in a place where we're not really going anywhere, but the players are competitive and they want to play. And, right. And you're right. There were a lot of interviews that we both watched where they're asking, Okay, you know, are What's you guys planning from here? Yeah, <laughs> are you guys gonna tank? And and Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, and I think a lot of the other players, but those guys are the voice. Right. And Damian Lillard is pissed off when somebody says that. Exactly. You know, because he's from the streets of Oakland and and you know, he just doesn't matter. You think you I'm know, not trying out here? Get out of my way. Right. You know, I'm going to beat you tonight. I don't care about records. I don't care about anything else. And you want that on your team. Right. You want that as the star of your team. Exactly. Now, what we talked about earlier, we mentioned the fact that Mason Plumlee was, was probably the hardest working frontline player that we had, but he's limited in what he can do. Yeah. Now, the Blazers pulled off a trade. Yeah.
0: Yeah. tell us about the trade well i mean at that point they needed to do something because you know like you said it wasn't working and uh, i was thinking about well we didn't have an inside presence we don't have defense you know there's no anchor down low and that really affects the ability of the guards to do what they want to do um you know our Defense isn't the best in general, and I think that, you know, it starts with an anchor. It starts with someone down low and then obviously kind of goes out. So what we did is we, you know, we ended up trading Mason Plumley for for Nurkic, you know, um, out of Denver, and he was playing behind Jokic, who ended up, I think it was even like a month before that, before the trade happened that Jokic came on the scene. You know, obviously it was – well into the season but at that point I think a month before Jokic was dropping numbers like 30 12 14 and 7 you know on a regular basis
1: for four or five games straight so do you think the announcers for Denver had any input into this because if you have Jerkic and Nurkic on the team that's got to be a nightmare if you're trying to announce a game
0: yeah I think that's why they started calling him Nurk Okay. I think that's right. There's it.
1: some inside information the, right
0: there. Yeah. Uh, the ins, you know, I think that's why they had, had to kind of go off the, uh, the the original name a little bit to make so, it work. So Nurkic, he's uh, he's a big body. Seven footer, um, you know, able to come in. Yeah, it, it, you know, like you said, big. He he's a, a traditional big man down low. Well, I wouldn't say traditional, but you know, he, he's got that traditional body. As a big, for a big man. You right. See and, a lot. and
1: I know in my, with me, I really didn't know much about him. Uh, I'm pretty sure that I thought Jerkic and Nurkic were the same player. Right. <laughs> just somebody was mispronouncing it. Like, <laughs> we just I, had a different hairstyle. Like, I would have. Yeah. I, well, I don't, I don't watch Denver, so I didn't know. Right. So we didn't really know what we're getting. And the interesting thing about that is not only did we get Nurkic, we got a first round draft pick next year.
0: Right. Or was it this year? Well, well, it is going to be this year. It's done this draft.
1: Okay, so, so That's this That's why year, we
0: have three in the first round.
1: Right. So not only did we get Nurkic for Mason Plumley, which we love Mason Plumley. I think part of the situation was the Blazers spent a lot of money last year. Yeah. And Plumley is a free agent now. Yeah. This year. And I think that they looked at the fact that, okay, we can't afford that. You know, we can't. We can't sign off on another big contract for a player that is a nice player and we like him, but he probably isn't going to be worth the money. I think that Mason Plumley is a great four. I don't think he's a center, which is why I think
0: that Denver went for him and, and paid. I, they were more excited about the deal than we were. And I believe that because of the deal. I mean, obviously we got a first run pick because Nurkic was a bench player. Plumley was a starter Coming down, but I th- feel they felt Plumley was a much better fit to play next to Jokic than Nurkic was, and that's why it was an easy trade for them, and and why they wanted to, you know, throw us a bone with the first round
1: pick. Well, that's, and that I, I think that you're right on with that. Now I know what I saw when I watched Nurkic, but tell me what you saw when you when you saw him in a blazer uniform.
0: Oh, man. Well, I was excited, first off, because I, I, you know, it was different, (laughs) you know, after the season we were having something happened, you know, so hopefully the result was going to be better. Um, And when he first came in, the one thing that really stood out to me the most was his um, his energy. You know, being from you know being a big guy, but you know he's out there yelling. He's out there talking to his 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 team, and you know um, if you make a shot, he's the one yelling down the the court for you. You know you don't have to be doing that. Um, You know rushing and I felt like he was playing hard for a team he didn't really know the players, didn't know much about, didn't know the scheme, and just went out there and played hard. And just his natural skill was able to get results and that's really really exciting to see that because if if that can he can do that then what happens when he is in part of the scheme and they involve him in that you know that's i think why a lot of people are excited about this next year
1: well what i saw with him is he you know he's young he's only 24 and he is big but he doesn't he's not the the plotting big man he is nimble yeah you know he's he's more athletic than i thought he would be and he's a great passer and his vision in the, in the little bit that we saw him this last year, he reminded me of Arvinus Sabonis. I was going to ask you. Right. And Sabonis, we never had a chance to see to, him in his prime. Well, we saw him, but only for the Russian national team, right? Because he was drafted by the Blazers. And I believe it was something like eight years later before he finally came over and knees had taken away his athleticism. And but he was this giant guy that could virtually, he could dunk the ball without jumping. Yeah. He was that big and he, and his basketball knowledge was amazing. And what he was able to do with Portland, with the passes and distributing the ball, uh, whether it's off of a rebound, a defensive rebound, getting the ball out on a fast break or just in the half court set, with cutters and people moving, which is the basketball I love to watch. Right. And Nurkic was doing that, and he actually caught some of his teammates off guard, where they were like, "Okay, here's where I go through the lane, and da 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 da. Here I go through the lane, and then I go to the corner, and then I go back over here. Well, they're
0: already on their next couple moves, and well, they're not. Yeah, expecting because the ball. no
1: one, no one throws them the ball right on that move and all of a sudden they're going through the middle and Nurkic, you know, lasers a pass to him and bam they've got it for layup. Now that's just exciting. He has the the low post moves. He has some quickness and he has that defensive presence that a big man has, right? You know, he's he's not the, you know, the Jordan Bell for Oregon fans type of shot blocker. Um uh, where he you know, he, he's but he has good timing. He has good timing, but it's his size. Yeah. Just what he takes up in the lane. You just can't go running down through the lane. Right. Which is what we've seen in the NBA Finals. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But it's just nothing but dunk shot after dunk shot. Nobody playing defense. It's just horrendous. Right. And I think that. But you can't do that if you've got a a player like like Nurkic
0: in there. Yeah. I think you're 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 right with his passing ability. I think that with that, it's exciting to see because of the other players and seeing them flourish. Seeing Mo Harkless getting more involved, getting you know excited and even pumped up himself. You know when he gets those little dishes down low, or Noah Vonleh getting you know a bounce pass. You know when his guy has to help out on Nurkic, and Nurkic just dips it right Absolutely. off and it's, like it's that bunk
1: it's yeah it's win-win it it's really difficult to defend when you have somebody that that has that kind of vision right you watch now where certain players have the ball in the low post and and they run another player at him and they that player you know they double team him and he panics and he doesn't know what to do with it because his thought was i was going to make this move and shoot the ball well when and I've watched Bill Walton and I've watched Sabonis and and you you can talk about some of the other really great, you know, low post players that were great passers because it's like, okay, go ahead. It's like, okay, I'm gonna blitz Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers is saying, Go ahead. Come on. Yeah. Because he knows exactly what to do if you do that, because it's not just one option. Right. He's not fixated on this long route. He knows that this guy's coming, so I'm gonna throw the ball right here. And that's what it is to me when you have a low post player that understands the game and the rest of the team is playing as a unit where, okay, if they run a second player at at Nurkic, then you're absolutely right that it's a Mo Harkless or it's a Vonley or it's an Ed Davis or one Alan of these Crab. other guys going to a spot and now you have the defense chasing and whether you're moving the ball in the perimeter to get an open three or you're you know, dumping it down low to one of the bigs, going to the basket. It's just, it's a great offense to watch, and it's impossible to defend. Yeah, I
0: mean, it was. It was very exciting and fun to watch. At the end of the season, I felt like if Nurkic didn't get hurt, that they would have put up a decent fight against the Warriors. Like you said, I mean, they don't have much of a interior presence, and
1: they don't have any. Uh, yeah, Pachulia I mean,
0: is 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 their center, and he's
1: he's horrible.
0: I agree. I mean, so, I mean, it, they they really wouldn't have had an answer for it. Now, of course, we wouldn't have had an answer for some of their weapons, you know.
1: So it's, well, you know. And exactly. And that's what makes a great game is that you have the way that you play. Right. And it's hard to defend. And then you go to the other end and you do your best to stop the other team that's really hard to defend. That's the whole idea of the playoffs. Right. At least it's supposed to be. You mentioned Nurkic getting hurt. Well, once Nurkic, they had a about a, what? 20 game stretch yep. where they had Nurkic and they did very well. And all of a sudden got themselves back into the playoff race. Yeah. 14 and six, I believe. And so they ended up being the number eight seed in the West. Now, again, you know, as a fan, you're looking at it like, wow. Okay, good. We get to go play the warriors. Right. As opposed to, you know, getting a, a chance at a lottery pick or getting a lottery pick, but you know, a low chance of getting a high pick. But I love what the Blazers did, you know, and and again, going back to what we talked about with Lillard, is that, you know, Lillard's competitiveness, and he's like, you know what, I don't care. I don't want to miss the playoffs. I want to say I was a playoff team. And yes, going against the Warriors and without Nurkic, which was exciting that, okay, Golden State, great team, and it's going to be a very difficult series, and we have less a very small chance of winning any series against them. Yeah. Uh, Especially the way that we were playing the inconsistencies, but I wanted to see what they would do with Nurkic. And then he got hurt. Right. And he played, I don't know, about 10 or 12 minutes in like game three. It was,
0: yeah, I don't
1: really call it playing. Yeah. I mean, walking. Right. He, he couldn't move. He couldn't do the things that. uh, Unfortunately. Right. Crippled. So that's the way our season ended. Yeah. You know, we got swept by Golden State. But a lot of th- what-ifs. And I think that that's the whole thing. I think that's that's what I look at this year is that I had high expectations going in. And I thought that this could be a competitive team and definitely be a playoff team. And then it just played so inconsistent and so bad. It seemed to be lost at times.
0: It just felt like they were missing a piece. You know, it just felt that way the whole the whole year.
1: Right. I didn't know what they were trying to do. Right. And, and one of the things that, that I love that we did this year, and I want to do it next year, and it was your idea to get the league pass. Yeah. And of course, the great thing about the league pass and what they did this last year, because I think it was the year before it was, what, $150? I'm not entirely sure what it was the year before. It was pretty expensive. I think yeah. maybe $180. Okay. And you could watch every team and every game. Yeah. Well, but who cares about every team and every game? We're Blazer fans, so we want to watch it. So it was a one twenty. Right. Exactly. Okay. Okay. So it was one nineteen, and you can watch it on four devices. You got to love the way that that we are today, because you know a person is not going to spend one hundred twenty dollars to watch the Blazers if they can't watch it on their iPad and their phone and their computer and on their Xbox. Exactly. Okay. So Adam had the great idea of well, let's do this. We have four devices that can be watching at the same time. So let's have four people go together. And if you're with the League Pass people, uh, turn off your radio at this point. Right. Because I don't want you to know what we did. (laughs) I'm sure everyone Because you may stop it. it. So we all contributed $30. All pitched in. We all pitched in, four of us. It was Adam and Zach and I and our friend Aaron. And it didn't matter that it was four different places in the country. Uh, But we would watch the games together. Yeah, even though we were all in our own, you know, separate living rooms watching on whatever device,
0: it was fun. You know, being able to knowing that all of us could watch every single game and that we could communicate what was happening and
1: Yeah, because there would be a text that would go out, a group text at the start of the game. Hey, who's watching? You know, and you'd chime in and say, Hey, you know, I'm I'm watching. And Adam would say, Hey, I'm watching. And Aaron and It's the camaraderie of sports and Zach. So, in a way, we were all watching the games together. Right. And we were able to watch, you know, all 82 games, and so I think it gave us a much greater insight. Yeah, because the NBA and the NBA package, you know, if you don't have League Pass, if you're just using, you know, TNT or or ESPN, ESPN. or or ABC to watch games, you catching about five teams, you're watching the Warriors, you're watching Cleveland, the Santa, Clippers for some reason, San Antonio just... Clippers, you know, there there and were the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, it just there was it was horrible. Yeah. You you don't watch. I think the entire season the Blazers were on twice on national TV. Yeah, a lot of hype for the Blazers, I guess. Yeah, everybody loves them. Yeah. So one of the other things about Nurkic, I think that was interesting, is is that when he was in Denver, I think that Denver soured on him, and especially when Jerkic started playing and and Jokic Jokic I'm just whatever there Jerkic whatever they didn't appreciate him. And he was not getting his minutes. And when he came to Portland, and, you know, Portland is just a, a great fan base right? for the Blazers. That's the only thing, the Timbers, the soccer team, which has been very successful. Oh, yeah, since but, they came in. But other than that, you know, you don't have Major League Baseball. You don't have the NFL. No hockey. Yeah, you don't You don't have anything in Portland. The Blazers, it's the Blazers. It's their town. It is. it has been when Nurkic comes in, there's almost a parade and everybody's excited that he's there. And I think that that feeds his enthusiasm. Right. And that's the, that
0: gets him to go out there and play hard.
1: He was excited. He was excited that the team really wanted him there and really was looking for, for him to be a major part of the team. And again, that goes to that sports psyche where coming up, every one of these guys are stars every level they've been to you just you don't get to the NBA if you weren't the best you know in, in the lower leagues and and in high school if you're in the this country or in college or or whatever you're just a superstar at every level and then you get to the NBA and okay maybe you're not the superstar right how does your psyche deal with that and that i think has a lot to do with how some of the players how their careers go because they're not able to fight through that and just say, I'm a basketball player and I'm, I'm just going to go and do what I do. And, you know, the adulation or the aura of being a superstar, they don't really care about that. Yeah, some some players it's not
0: about that. Some players it is. Um, I think you can tell which ones those are. And uh, I am glad to say that the I think the Blazers have made some really good decisions with the players they brought on, whether it be the draft or it be in free agency or trades, um, you know, the, the characters that they've brought on and the people that they've, um, in, invested their time with, I think that they've had some really good quality people come in and that's, uh, something that I, and obviously not every program can, can say, you know, um, there's a lot of players out there I dislike because of that.
1: Well, it's interesting to me, you mentioned that and the Blazers went through a period of time. With that, with the current ownership. And they were the Jailblazers. The
0: Jailblazers. Yeah. I recently, actually yesterday, I saw a picture of uh, um, Damon Stoudemire and uh, Bonzi Wells out on the golf course.
1: Yeah. And it was not a team that you particularly liked. And they were kind of thugs and they weren't all that good. Was Arvidas Saponis on that team? I don't think so. Okay. But Rashid Wallace was. Oh, yeah, he was. Those cornrows going back. But again, you know, it wasn't a likable team and, and it matters to us. It, I I want to like the team. Right. You know, we are diehard fans for our teams. Yeah. And it's very frustrating when there's players on our teams that we don't like. Going through the jailblazer period was difficult because you just don't you don't watch interviews because you don't want to hear these guys talk. Because they're just nasty. Yeah. So we went through the Jail Blazers, and, and I totally agree. I think that what the Blazers are doing now, I think a lot of the guys are, are good people, and I think Damian Lillard's a good leader. And CJ, you know, there's just some pieces there. Now, this year we do have, like you mentioned, three first-round draft picks. Yeah, So which will be very interesting. It's, because It's
0: 16, have, 20, and 25. We do not have three spots on our roster for
1: those. No, we don't.
0: Which is very interesting to see what... Will happen. I mean, there's talk about, you know, the, the draft and stash, you
1: know, European players and trying to do that. I firmly but, believe there's going to be a trade. I believe so. That Neil O'Shea is going to probably bundle either a couple of the draft picks, maybe a couple of the draft picks and a player. Because we have some players that I think some teams... they're. they're
0: don't think he's going to self-destruct any team by any means.
1: I think maybe a couple players, but We have maybe. some redundancy, I think. In, yeah and in, in some of our players, totally, so I think that you know putting some kind of trade together might be interesting, but the the draft is coming up on the twenty second so that'll be a fun night to see what happens there. I don't necessarily see the blazers they're they don't have the money under the cap to sign any big free agents, no. and Portland has never been necessarily a big free agent destination no, no one wants to come here. Which is unfortunate. It really because is. Because the people that play there, they're, you look at the number of, of NBA players that have played for Portland that live in the Portland area. Right. They all love it. It's, yeah. And the fans and the way the Rose Garden and before that Memorial Coliseum. And I it, think that it's, that it's might, crazy. Be, might be something
0: that we see change very, very, you know, very, very soon. I'm guessing with Paul George, but. You know, uh, you know, everyone's saying LA for him, but I think it'll be with someone. I think we will get a, a free agent coming in, and I think that that's partially because of the team we have, and and Damian and CJ and Nurkic and the pieces that um, that we already have is is drawing people in. I think that that's obviously what's going to overcome the appeal of where you're going. As opposed to like who well, you're going to play with, but
1: honestly, the bottom line: Have you ever been to Oakland? I, no, that's not a pretty place. Yeah. That's not a fantastic destination. But yet, Golden State, because of who they are and what they've been able to put together, is now this this ultimate destination for players. Yeah, I've been to Cleveland. Yeah, okay, Cleveland. It's it's not gorgeous. You know, it's it's not like you know what you think L.A. or or South Beach with playing you know with the Heat in Miami. So the actual area you're living in, you know, again, all of these guys have so much money that, you know, you can you can create an amazing compound anywhere. Right. So I think that what Portland has and they have one of the richest owners. So it's not like, you know, there's somebody on a, on a budget over there. You know, Paul Allen has a lot of money. Oh, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. You know, what are they able, are they able to do? Are they able to move some players? Are they able to bring in somebody like a Paul George? And can they elevate their existing players? Can these guys take the next step? Because they're all young. You know, we're talking about, you know, mid-20s for the majority of these guys. And some of them are in their early 20s. Right. Noah Vondelet is 22 years old.
0: That's why I was excited about him, was I feel like he has actually shown development from us seeing him in the very first Summer League we watched him in to now and what he was able to do in the playoffs. Um, his development has, I think, been the most I've seen in the Blazers roster. But I think that all of them have the potential and hopefully with, you know, I mean, this these contracts... You know, as motivating factors for these players, you know, and, and being able to play together for so long, as long as until they don't get traded. But I think that that's, you know, hopefully to see more development. I think that that's a big part of the plan as well, I'm sure.
1: Well, it the does. interesting thing about contracts, and especially the size, we're talking about $100 million contracts for these young guys. And it normally does one of two things. If you are a player that, is able to separate the money. So you go out and play every night. And in the case of, of like CJ, knowing that you're making 20% of what Damien's making, but who cares? You're playing basketball. Yeah. Okay, you think about the money some other time. Or you have a player that signs the big contract and they feel like, okay, I've got to go earn it. So every night they press. Yeah. Or they get down on themselves and they start thinking about the money. And, and both of those situations are the same. You're thinking about how much you make or how little you make. It can't enter the game. Right. You have to go out and play the game of basketball, independent of the amount of money that you're making. And I think some players can do that and some can't. I think we had some players this last year that were able to, to play independent of the money. And I think some of them were not able to do that as well.
0: Well, I think that, you know, then you see people like Kevin Durant. You know, um, he's taking less money. He's not going to take the max deal. For, for <laughs> okay. The state. Less money. I mean, yeah. And so he, I mean, he he takes one hundred and eighty
1: instead of two hundred.
0: Exactly. I get it. It's I, not. well It's not ridiculous, but that's that's his. You know, so that he can he's doing a Tim Duncan.
1: You know, Tim Duncan I, would do that same thing. Exactly, and I I totally agree with you, and I understand that. But to me, that's what happened. That's what gave the players so much power is because the money is so ridiculous. You still, for this four-year period of time, are making $180 million. Right. And you took well, less I, money. I, I, yeah, you took less <laughs> money. And again, you know, my perspective... Ooh, okay, okay. That took us quite a while. Jeez. My perspective is the fact that, okay, you know, the franchises when I first started watching basketball, were worth less than what these contracts are now. So if you get someone that's, a, you know, you, you look at, at how much Kevin Durant is making, okay, so going somewhere else where he's not gonna win or staying in, in Oklahoma City, what's, what's the advantage of doing that if you're playing for rings? Because you're gonna leave the game as a very rich man, no matter what. Right, it's all about the legacy. Now, one thing I want to mention, and this is a little bit off of the topic we're talking about, okay? But you mentioned the injuries. Yep. And the Blazers. Oh yeah. And and I made the comment that yes, we know. Yeah. Now I find it bizarre that two of the biggest disappointments that we've had as Blazer fans with high draft picks have been Sam Bowie. Yep. Out of Kentucky. Oh yeah. Who was seven foot two, and injuries virtually limited his career to nothing and greg odin again is a seven foot two stud from ohio state and injuries limited his career to virtually nothing basically 82 games with portland oh yeah now every team if you look virtually in every sport has had draft busts. right have had players that they've drafted very high whether it's a ryan leaf in football right or it, you know you can talk about Blazer, or not Blazers, but basketball players that have been high draft picks that haven't worked
0: out. Michael Beasley was the second overall draft pick, and he's lucky to get a bench spot these days.
1: Right. Okay, so this has happened to virtually everybody. But the two times it has happened to Portland, the player right next to the person we took, and there have been entire drafts that have been busts. Yeah. Different years. Totally. But two, the two players that were taken after these two players, Sam Bowie, and Greg Oden yeah. were Michael Jordan Correct. and Kevin Durant. It's just like two of the greatest players in the history of basketball. And Michael Jordan, by all accounts, is the greatest player. Right. I don't necessarily put him there, but he's he's a top two or three. Okay. And Kevin Durant is working his way towards being, you know, on that Mount Rushmore of all-time NBA players. Correct. Now, what are the odds – that that would happen to the same franchise twice.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's not the similarities between the two instances is insane. I mean, from, from just down to the player that we, we wanted that we drafted both seven, two, both centers, both dominant. Um, Obviously that we're going to, they're dominant if we're taking them over Kevin Durant. But I think with Kevin Durant, I don't know about with Michael Jordan, how much I think so, but wasn't there a question? in you know what they were going to be able to do once they got to the nba level i know there was with Kevin
1: Durant, with michael jordan was there well not really yeah i mean he was considered a great player and from north carolina i know he went there for four years right and and, yeah back then everybody did because if you came out back then it was hardship yeah so you you had to prove that you know grandma needed a new house so you had to have the money. Well, everyone's grandma needs a new house. Well, see, there you go. And that's why that's no hardship anymore because everybody came up with a story. Right. But again, that's another podcast. But what happened at that time is the year before the Blazers had drafted Clyde Drexler out of Houston. And Clyde Drexler is Michael Jordan light. I mean, he right. he is the very, same very size. Similar. They play a similar game. They both can jump out of the gym. They're two of the most athletic players in the history of the game, and back in those day, those days, you you had positions, and you've tried to fill the positions. You know, you had your point guard, and your right. If you and, didn't have a you, yeah, you didn't you didn't have a, a six foot ten point guard, right? You know, Magic Johnson would have been drafted in earlier years as a power forward or a center. So, in the idea of putting similar players together, the way the Blazers have right now with C.J. McCollum. And Damian Lillard, you wouldn't do that back in the day. You know, you you have your point guard, and then you have your shooting guard, and then you, you don't see. take the next best basketball player, right? And you take you, what you, you need. if you right, well, you have if you have a position covered, you you don't go and get a similar player. And that was the thing, Sam Bowie, who had some injury problems at Kentucky, but when he was when he was good, he was really good. Yeah, and if he would have been the player, because the number one pick that year was Akeem Olajuwon. And Sam Bowie, if he would have been healthy and been the player that he could have been, this would be kind of moot. But again, we're talking about injuries. Just like Greg Oden, when we drafted Greg Oden, I thought that was a no-brainer.
0: Yeah, I mean, if if Kevin Durant came out and had a better career than Greg Oden, but Greg Oden still had a great career, that's one thing. Exactly. But the
1: fact that they both... They both of s- them got hurt, and s- then behind them were these generational players. All right. Is... It's some someone somewhere is punishing blazer fans for something i don't know i don't know what it is or or, or what we've done
0: let's look at it this way they are preparing they're giving us what's due because we are about to get what's coming to us
1: okay there's that sunshine thing i think that they did that to make death not so bad an idea (laughs) because life is so difficult when everything that they try to do doesn't work out. But I think you're probably right. Yeah. Okay. So we're winding down here, getting to the end of, of our first one-on-one. Right. Adam and Steve podcast. And Hey, Hey, you know, let us know what you think. And we have a website that you can put uh, comments in. And also you can, on my Facebook page, I, I put everything up there and you can comment on what you think of the episode. Love to hear from people. Yeah. Let us either, know, guys. Either no one's listening to this it's, or no one wants to comment. And I'm not quite sure which it is. And I don't know which one's worse. Let's think that it's, they're so happy that they just think it's awesome and they have no criticism. There's nothing left to say they just they're just getting pure enjoyment out of it okay so we're gonna wind this down we're gonna we're gonna call this now in a few weeks we are going to summer league this year yes so super
0: excited it's gonna be amazing in las vegas we will be doing a live well not live i will be live from from we will be doing a
1: podcast from summer league
0: and uh and uh we will have some some guests but uh
1: it will be amazing you know, Trevor the Red lives in Vegas. Yes, he so does. He's going to come around, and he's a, a past guest. Also, Zach is is coming up, and he will be there. Oh, yeah. And I, I don't know exactly, but there's some thought that he may bring Tina. Ooh. Can we do a podcast from Tina? See, I would love to, but we're going to have to do it in the evening because it's going to be hot. Tina doesn't have air conditioning. Yeah. And if anybody wonders what Tina is... You can go to Zach's Facebook page. I'm pretty sure he has pictures of Tina somewhere on there. Yeah. Just ask him. It's his 1988
0: you know. beautiful blue Dodge van. Well, that's why you need a cold drink
1: while you're in that no AC van. There you go. I, yeah, we're going to have to do something. <laughs> but we are definitely going to do a podcast or two from Summer League. That's uh, next month, uh, the that's 10th. That's a given. Look forward to it. Going to be up there. That's going to be fun. So... Uh, really appreciate, uh, Adam bringing all of his knowledge today because he was just a fountain over there. I could just, you, if you could see him, it just, his eyes were lighting up every time we were talking about things. He just, he had so much to say. I could barely hold him back. Yeah. Well, I tried
0: to drop everything that I could and, uh, give you all of my
1: mind. Nice. Yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, yeah. So, but, um, uh,
1: hopefully we can do it again soon. Well, we will. Oh, wait. Next week actually later this week we're doing it we're a little bit late this week and i'm gonna get this edited and get it out to everybody but okay anyway hey thanks for listening well in that case guys more perspectives later who are the good ones the good ones of today point them out to me so i can come and join their raid we'll walk around this land with open hands looking for change we'll want to understand it's progression we have a hand humanity is killing wheat for this we will not stand i say let's progress in good contest make conference then love our best our onslaught of love will be at an all-time high crashing like waves
0: on some ponderosa pines our love that makes no sense we who spend love at no We are a force of passion Creating a new faction Taking action, working hard Just for the satisfactions With the abilities
1: To shine so bright That others want to fight Because our light is in their eyes Ladies and gentlemen We are the skies Don't remain mystified by their lies And trust us But we will teach you how to be true Teach you how to speak the truth But we stand here And we listen to you No longer hinder For love is the spark and we are its tender. We are the good ones. The
0: good ones of today. We're sending out a call for you to come and join our living energy.